Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, the start of the second week of the Giro, stage eight today. A lot to get stuck into, but before we do, welcome back. Thank you. How's your week been? Been good, yeah, it's gone quick. Um, racing's been good, I've managed to keep up with it. And um, it's been, um, I think it's been everything we expected it to be up to this point, but it's going to get better. 100%. Welcome back as well. Adam Blythe. Hi. Um, resident commentary man. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's nice to. Uh, it's nice I'll to. See if you enjoyed it, I just said welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, it's nice to. Um, I've been itching to get on commentary for this Giro. Um, been watching it last week, and I think the first week's one of the always exciting ones. So it's nice to be back. Mm. What have you made of the race this week? I don't know. It's much <sighs> to be expected. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just those typical gaps. Really, no one's letting anything given away too much. Everyone's quite happy with where they are. I think Bernal, for me, he is. He looks to be on good form again, back to his old self, which is nice to see. Um, and in prime position, I know that Ineos want to send him here to win the race. They're not sending him to the Tour de France, so he's uh, he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders to perform. So, yeah, I think he's the man to watch at the minute. And obviously, Remco as well. He's, um, he's a bit unknown, isn't he, but flying. Right behind him, yeah. I think we'll find out just what Remco is capable of in the next few days. We'll get onto that. Adam, I want to clear something up before we go any further, because on commentary today for us, uh, for Eurosport and GCN Plus, uh, I think we all enjoyed you being best buds with the king. Yeah. A bit of banter with Sean Kelly. Um, you said at one point that you could have worn pink in 2010. At, I want to say you were 20 years old. So yeah, I was 20, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, you know, it, it, particularly a decade ago. I mean, I, I know cycling, top riders getting younger and younger, and younger but to go in and, and ride the Giro at 20... I mean, that must have been quite an experience in the first place. Yeah, it was. Um, it's kind of weird, though. I'd, I'd done a few pro races beforehand, and I think once you go into a Grand Tour, it's it's very different to any other races. I think the Belgium Classics I did that year as well, all Flanders-Roubaix, which is amazing, but you go into a Grand Tour and it's completely different to any other races. Is The GC teams and the battle is so much different to anything else, even in one-week stage races. So going into it, I was very nervous, very young, and the team said to me, you've only got to do 11 days, and then... And then you're done. Um, so I did that, and I think it's stage three. I got fifth on, which as a 20-year-old I was super happy with. But yeah, it was uh, some good memories. Special winner that day as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Wata Whalen yeah. won that day. So it was um, it was a bloody hard day that day, actually, really hard. Mm. You and Brad was in the race as well. Yeah, took pink well, the first day. Took pink, didn't he? But yeah. you, so you said on comms, this is what I wanted to clear up, because you right. said on comms that you, oh, you were four, if you were 14 seconds quicker in the TT, yeah. and obviously Brad took pink on the first day, yeah you could have at some point taken pink. And I was trying to make the maths work with Dan Lloyd. Yeah. And Dan was saying that he wished he, 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 wished he had a memory like yours that was as selective. Yeah. He, he looked back on a, a far well, more glorious career, possibly. I think uh, back then, pro cycling stats wasn't around. Um, they've obviously uploaded everything onto, onto the internet and it's just wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's basically it. I could have had pink. I just didn't have it. Richie Port had it instead. There we go. Damn internet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brad, what what we've missed this past week, 
looking back on it, one one thing that stands out for me particularly is Mikkel Lander, mm. um, one of the one of the GC favourites, crashing out stage five, broken clavicle. He's broken a few ribs there as well. He was looking really really sharp. He was looking like he could was really funny. do something on GC. Yeah. Um, so for, I mean, first of all, we're sorry to see him go. Particularly, I think because I, to, to my mind, the Giro is is the it's the one that, suits that really suits him best. Yeah, yeah, definitely suits him. Yeah, he's been up there in the past, hasn't he? I think Bahrain are due a big win like that as well because they've put a lot of investment in, haven't they? And um, it is a shame, but that's part and parcel of the Grand Tour racing. Um, you know, we've seen G crash out the Giro a couple of times. Um, we've seen Richie Port. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's part and parcel of the racing. Some riders just don't seem to get the luck. Some GC riders seem to avoid danger better than others, and whether that's because they're better taken care of by the riders around them, or whether that's just because they're plain unlucky, I don't know. Well, there's a million and one things that can go yeah. wrong in a bike race. I think he hit that post in the middle of the road, didn't he? Yeah. So I think it's just it can be just a lack of concentration, just as, as simple as just rolling along in the peloton, getting towards the finish, trying to get to that three k to go marker, and just not really paying full attention and just sadly hit that thing. Well, but I think that's what Lance Armstrong was so good at. That's why he had such few problems. Is, is I remember talking to him at the Giro in 2009 and he was so meticulous with every part. He was so focused on everything he did to do with cycling. There was no switching off sitting in the peloton chatting and it's why he was always in the right place and he'd always put the guys around him and he'd be vocal in putting the guys around him. And I think it's just, just the ability to stay that focused for that long, break down every little part of the race in order what you need to win the race and everything that could go wrong in those parts is why he was so successful. I think that gets taken away with everything that's happened over the years, you know, the doping stuff, is just how meticulous he was at planning in the race as well, planning for every eventuality, and getting the eight guys around him when that potential point could happen. In the 2009 tour, if you remember, with the crosswinds early on in the race when Contador missed it, Lance was in the front there, you know, he never seemed to miss a beat like that, no matter what his form was like. Whereas guys like myself and that, you know, most people, because it's, um, it's only human nature, is there's a tendency to just switch off and go, oh, it's not, nah, be all right, nothing's going to happen here. And I mean, the, the two instances that spring to mind for me for Lance were avoiding Balocchi. Yeah. When Balocchi went down hard. But even um, that descent, Lance would have known that that descent, every corner that is tricky here and watch out and, you know, there could be a crash on this. On this. Yeah. So even when Balocchi went hailing into that, you know, Lance was second wheel, but he distanced himself enough off the wheel just in case Balocchi went down. You know, just simple things like that. Obviously, he was there was an element of luck with sort of running off and all that, but he he's the most meticulous and well-planned bike rider I've ever met. Furious start today then. And today, particularly for the GC men, I think you had to keep your concentration for those, for those first few furious kilometres where is the brake going to get away? Is the brake going to go away? Um, you've got crosswinds to deal with. We saw uh, the Maglia Rossa distance, then he was back in. Needley was distance, then he was back in. Where do you go from at this stage of a Grand Tour? How do you approach it as a GC man? Because we're a weekend, things are starting to get serious. We've got yeah. a, a serious mountain day ahead of us tomorrow when we expect to see some real gaps well, on the GC. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, days like today, we were talking about this morning, me and Adam, that it's um, they're the worst ones to ride because they're not hard enough. There's a contradiction. That there's, they're the hardest days, but they're not hard enough where you form a gruppetto and you can just set up on a certain point. You've got guys at the back that are helping their GC guys. The GC guys don't want to be in a breakaway because it's they want to get through the day as, as with sort of minimal ex exertion as possible. But at the same time, you can't take your eye off the ball in terms if GC guys go into a break of 30, 40 riders. Um, you've got the likes of Dan Martin today who's having mechanical issues while all that's going on. His teammates are trying to support him. So he's sort of coming back and forth through the cars. 
You've got, you know, support riders trying to take bottles up to the riders, getting dropped once they've taken them bottles up. And it's just, it's a, it's a washing machine of things going on in that first hour or two, just half the peloton desperately praying that the break goes soon so they can, someone might be dying forever, we or something. Like you could be, you know, all the uh, emphasis on hydration stuff, you know, your neck bottles of water in the morning and before you go out onto the, because you can't drink for the first couple of hours because it's just flat out. Some riders take one bottle, you know, you busted for a wee and if the break don't go for 100k, you can't stop because it's too fast to get back on. There's just so much going on, isn't there, Adam? Yeah, it's too much going on. I think as well, like you said, so many riders want it to stop for the right for the reasons of having a wee, but also because they're suffering. Mm, yeah. That's the main thing. I think you were very different to me is in some days you want to break to keep going a long way to get closer to a climb. So then the group will ride easier up a climb. But at the same time, you just want it to go so you can just sit back and relax and just get through the day safely. But like Brad said, there's so many things that can go right for you in those days. And if you've got bad legs, you're, you're going to be in a world of trouble. I noticed Caleb was just drifting off the back a bit. We still don't know Do what's happening. Do you think that's why he climbed off? Because it was just too hard for him? No, I don't think so. I think if you've got that jersey, Caleb... Or do you already plan to come out this day? I don't think so. I think if he's in that jersey, I don't no. think he'd have done it. And I think if he was going to stop, he wouldn't have started today no. anyway. I don't think he'd have took, taken no, the jersey no point, no. and the whole thing. So... The days are awful like this, but for the breakaway, it really shows the strong men, I think. I think the guys that have got in there have always been consistently attacking. It's not just one lucky attempt. They've, mm. They've tried a few times and we saw how hard Victor went across to it. It's it's flipping hard to get in those breakaways and to do so and then perform at the end of it is, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult. I don't think we expected Ewan to finish the tour, but we certainly didn't expect to see him drop out today, especially wearing the Maglia Cinclamina. Yeah, um, I think something definitely went wrong, I think. Yeah. I think there was some reports of him having a knee problem or something like that. I read knee pain. Yeah, so as I said, there could be a, a few things that went wrong. I saw a picture of him changing his shoes as well, so there might be a few things that have happened, but... I definitely don't think he's just got off because he was suffering. It's not a case of, I've come to this race to win a stage. I've done that. I've won two. I'm no, off home now. I I'm going to go and concentrate he on... He respects the race too much. I don't think, if he was going to stop, he wouldn't start that day. Um, the next day, so if he finishes one day, he wouldn't start the next if he planned to stop. I think today there was a genuine problem and that's why he did end up stopping. Um, from the sprinter's jersey to the young rider's jersey, Ivanapol. Brad yeah. looked comfortable, very, very comfortable. Adam's already mentioned him yeah. right behind Bernal. Didn't seem to, to let him out of his sight no. all day long. Big tests coming this week, 3,000 metres of climbing tomorrow. But I think we've got to start thinking about Evanapol as a, as a real contender yeah. for the overall. I mean, we have to. Yeah, but we just don't. I just hard, don't think it? anyone knows. I don't think he knows. He said his legs were tired, to be honest. In the last few days, it's as long as he's ever been into a race now, isn't it? Mm. Nine months after, what, did he break his pelvis and stuff last year? And yeah, at Lombardia. I mean, it could just sort of snap for him one day and, you know, he'd lose a packet. But I still think Bernal, I mean, they're both sort of vulnerable, aren't they, in some ways? Because we don't know, we just, there is an element of unknown with a pair of them. Is Bernal's back going to hold up for three weeks? But I think Ineos have the strongest team in the mountains. I think Bernal's going to put his mark down one day, potentially tomorrow as well, but... It's, it's how far, you know, is 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 even a pole willing to to push the, the envelope out enough to win the race? Or will he be satisfied in his first Giro after nine months away, back racing, finish on the podium? Who knows? We've seen Ineos gunning it at almost at every opportunity. You get the sense that they're taking taking their opportunities, taking their chances to put or to test their rivals where when and where well, they can just, this week. They, they take the offense they'll go on the um, offensive every time that they race. Um, and Dave used to use a great term whenever we were racing like that, and it's, it's well, stop dithering. And he, Dave, would just like to be on the offensive, on the front, and that's what they, that's what they, 
that's what they stopped doing for a while. If you remember last year in the tour and that when they were when there was things weren't going great from they were always on the back foot mm. and, and the way they were always ridden the way they've ridden best, even if they don't deliver at the end of it, is to go on the offensive and put them guys on the front and that. And I think it's it's putting that marker down really and that stamping their authority, which is what they're good at doing. And they have been doing a lot more this year. Yeah, and Ghana's been an absolute weapon for them. It's been unbelievable. He's he's, a, he's phenomenal, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's like a similar engine to you. He's uh he's quick. He's got that short, explosive TT efforts, but he can also do it long. He's he's obviously a lot heavier than you were. He reminds me of like Cancellara and his pomp. Yeah, he's just unbelievable. Yeah. He's yeah. I think the or power. Or, he can or, produce. I tell you, the other one who was a bit like that is um, Taylor Finney. Yeah, on his day, like, example, he was yeah. like a Cancellara Finney, isn't yeah. he? I think the only thing with him is he's not quite the best at climbing, but he's getting there each day in terrain. He's going. You know, five, six hail yeah. the climbs on the front, setting that tempo. And he even did that a couple of days ago when he was uh, when he was still in the pink yeah. jersey, setting the pace. So he's a key man to have. And I think there's one thing as well for Bernal. He's riding around in front of Bernal every day. And you think if you've got a guy that's five foot eight or whatever Bernal is, and you've got a six foot three man in front of you, he's quite a chunky guy as well. Very broad. Very broad. He's uh, he's saving a lot of energy behind him. So he's he's doing a fantastic job for him and a key rider for that team. Yeah. Um, mentioned the the. The young riders jersey there. Given the youth and the quality of, of young riders in the peloton, is is it is it even worth having a young riders jersey anymore? Should we start looking at having an old the funny riders one, jersey? Isn't it, that? Yeah, because I think Bernal when he won the tour, he won the young riders as well, didn't yeah. he? I, I always found it odd that the young riders, but then I suppose it, it can't. It's not really odd, is it? Because you got ice wild category, and then you're just under twenty five, isn't it? The young riders jersey. Yeah. So predominantly, the you know, the young riders jersey. If you win that, that was a something in itself. But you can win a Grand Tour now as a young rider. Yeah. You, I suppose Does it matter? Have, if you're you, professional, you're professional, isn't it? Just have Valverde riding around in the old rider's jersey. They start in, a campaign to scrap the white Every jersey. single race he rode. <laughs> and Teo last year, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. of course. Yeah. On both. Absolutely. It yeah. can be done. Um, other GC men to look out for. Uh, Simon Yates just going quietly going well. Yeah, he's doing all right. But Hugh Carthy in fifth. Yeah, Lancashire's very own Hugh Carthy. He's um, he's had a few issues this week with the bikes, different thing and that, didn't it? You know, with the dock time, and then they gave it back to him, didn't they? But um, he looked good on the finish today, actually, Hugh. He really yeah. did. I'm really intrigued to see how he does. He did well in the Vuelta last year, didn't he, with his third place? And I think that would have boosted his confidence massively. Yeah. So I think with that, I think the team will put a lot more riders around him, give him a bit more support that he deserves a little bit. I think it's a problem with his saddle. And does that count as a mechanical? If you if your saddle's just gone, what 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 actually happened? I think his saddle dropped and he went yeah. back to the car to change it, but he's just coming back into three k. But I don't something along those lines. Basically, yeah. he's had a mechanical problem. Um, but that's why Betiol lost a load of time because he stopped yeah. with him. Um, but yeah, Hugh. But I do think Simon will be good again. I think he's. I think he will be. I think he's learned a lot from the last Giro um, that he lost to Froome on that mm. day. Uh, I don't think he'll be trying to get away get all that time back for a TT I don't think he really needs to anymore um, and if he does he'll just wait until that last week instead of yeah. chipping away from no, I agree. day 10-11 uh, FDJ's Attila Valta in the pink jersey third day tomorrow yeah. for him uh, do we expect him to hold it much further beyond that so no I think I think he's um, he's had his success and you know he's been he's been worthy of it as well really I, th- I can't see him lasting after tomorrow really I think it's a funny one. That last mountain stage before rest day, the first rest day, it feels like the first part of your... It's a, it's a first hurdle in a Grand Tour getting to that Monday because mm. you've obviously raced nine days by then and it's um, you, you feel, it feels like more like you're halfway through the race when you get to that first rest day. It's the hardest part of the race, I yeah. think. When you get to that first rest day, it's almost like you're on the home stretch. Yeah. You've got six days racing and another break again. That's so it's, it. it's so easy to 
mentally after that nine days, just oh, another four days rest day, three days rest yeah. day. Two. It's so much easier. You've got to wait till Tuesday, haven't they? First rest day. Yes. So, it's, so it's, it, it's it's much later than yeah. It's normally it would be ordinary. It's normally Monday, Monday, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, Tuesday sometimes. Yeah, but I think he'll lose the jersey tomorrow, and I expect the likes of Burnout or one of the big hitters to take it. Really, I can't see. I think we'll get a, the winner will come from the main group. I don't think we'll get a breakaway tomorrow that yeah. will last really. Because um, I can't see Ineos will state, you know, their intent early on, I think, and ride. So I don't think the break will get 15 minutes. I think it'll be sort of two, three minutes hovering job. And with the severity of the last climb as well, when they start racing up it, it takes a very strong person to be off of a breakaway and manage to survive. Um, Valter, of course, the, the first man from Hungary to, to lead a Grand Tour, to wear the pink jersey. Uh, they'll be going nuts for him back home, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, much like um, Rain Tamarai the other day nearly took the jersey, didn't he? For Estonia, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's great. It just shows how it's international the sport is, really. And he, in being interviewed today, he seemed really humble and he realised what he had on his shoulders and I think he made reference to a chess player, all I said as well, in his interview, which is um, interesting. Dan Martin, 47 seconds behind. He's in a good place. He's it's looking good, actually, Dan. Speaking to Sean Kelly yeah. earlier, Sean thinks... He's he's exactly where he wants to be at I the think moment. So, we're yeah. going to see a lot from I him think, in the I coming days. Dan, you know, we did see him at the Volta again last year, didn't we? Stopped looking a bit like the old Dan Martin. I think he, um, I think he'll be up there. I do. And we saw ISN gunning it at the front and that on, on that last climb at the end of today. So do you do you get the feeling that they've got the the strength in numbers that they need to support a, a, a proper GC GC bid for Martin? I think today that last climb suited Dan. Nice little steep climb, quite fast. And Dan's very good on those steep finishes, hard climbs at the end. So he might have just been looking today, you know, the team set him up into the climb and maybe try and do an attack. But we saw the pace of that peloton coming into the last climb. It was still high. The group split down quite a lot. Um, all the GC guys were there and it would have had to take a lot of energy out of him to get that little bit of time gap. But I think traditionally, if they set Dan up for that climb and, you know, he could do damage and that stage was later on in the race, it would have definitely suited him to have been up there. But... I think he's in a great place, to be honest. I don't think there's much more that Dan can do at the minute. I think tomorrow's the big, I'm going to say the first proper day where the big time guts are going to be shown and I think we'll get a bit more of an idea from there. Yeah, yeah, I think um, Dan don't need a big team around him. You know, Dan's quite sort of likes hovering around and one or two teammates bringing bottles, but he's not necessarily one for having a big sort of lead out into a climb or something like that. Yeah, um, you, do you feel like he can sort of... He'll play off other teams. In the same way that yeah. Joy Hindley did. I mean, yeah. I know he was with Kelderman. Um, into he's, the, into he's, the final in stage last year. He's like year. a holding midfielder, Dan. You know, he sort of plays behind the front three. You know, he's one of them. You he's know? someone always that you always generally Never forget. Frank Lampard. I mentioned Joy Hindley, three minutes, 40 seconds behind. He looks to be only going one way. Uh, he's, yeah, it's a he's shame. Looking, he's looking yeah. for stages now, surely. He's I'm, not in it for the yeah, overall. I mean, yeah. It'd be, it'd, I'd say he'd be looking for stages. I mean, he's obviously not in the form he was last year. I mean, so stages are going to be hard to come by. Um, there's a reason he's down there, and it's probably because he's, he's struggling. Um, and it's very a shame. Different yeah. year, though, very, very different, different year. Very different year. Yeah, I think. different, different, different makeup of the peloton. But I mean, having said that, they, you know, he was Nibs is up there, top twenty. There's two minutes between first and twentieth here. Yeah, N- um, yeah. Nibley's well, he's one minute forty three seconds behind. Yeah, so Jai's, just Jai is just clearly not in the form he was this time last year. Well, I say this time last year. It's a different year, isn't it? You yeah, know? Six, six months ago. Yeah, yeah, six months ago. We'll be back with more from the Bradley Wiggins show after this. Zwift is the world's training playground, Brad, where fun takes you further, recreating the outdoor feel of riding on an indoor trainer, something you can get on board with, I think. It does, yeah, and Zwift have done it very well, and they're now the leaders, aren't they, in that world, and um, they've got the likes of Geraint Thomas on board, and, you know, you can't get... Your old mate, yeah. Yeah, and it's... Um, 
you know, they, they got, did some involvement with Team Wiggins a few years ago. We joined in one of their shops, Pinarello shop um, races one night, and my son uses it. I watch him during the winter months. Um, it's something I wish I'd had when I was 15, definitely just to, from, a, from a safety point of view when you didn't want to let your kids out on the road in the dark. And, and anyone can use it. So, it, you know, you don't, yeah. have to be, you don't have to be G, you don't have to be a pro. You can train with thousands of, of real train, people. Yeah. Like, you can train with anyone. You can ride with anyone um, from the world of pro cycling or from your workplace or school, whatever age you are. Brad, like you say, most of the pros on the World Tour train on Zwift. Yeah, hop on any time, heart pumping, intense cycling, join group rides, events and worldwide races. Um, Zwift has nine worlds too, including the stunning Paris and France maps. They've recreated Tour de France stages, um, which gives everyone a chance to experience them. You don't have to have yeah. been Bradley Wiggins to experience what it's no, like to ride at the Tour de France. Uh, you can hit your kilometres with virtual dinosaurs, raging waterfalls, you can be inside a volcano, uh, James Bond-esque, a wide open California desert, plus you can tour London landmarks. All you need is a bike, trainer and Zwift app. Uh, you can get a free seven-day trial, Brad, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Welcome back to the Bradley Wiggins Show, sponsored by Zwift. Where fun Brad, is fast. Adam, where fun is fast. Quite yeah. right, Brad. We've talked about how the GC is shaping up today. We should mention the stage itself. Uh, nine men in the end, mm. in the front group, eventually got away. They, they were the ones attacking the final climb with just over 10 kilometres to go. Here is how Rob Hatch, who is not a frail old man, despite what you might have read on social media, called it for us on Eurosport and GCN+. From Damien Mournier at Peyo Terme in 2010 all the way to Victor Lafay here at Guardia San Framondi in 2021. The celebrations can begin. Lafay is going to become a Grand Tour stage winner, a household name, the next big French star. Kofidis are going to do it. The drought is going to be over. 11 long years and Kofidis again winners at the Giro d'Italia. Victor Lafay, welcome to the big time. Brad, Victor Lafay then, Cofidis, breaking, as Rob said there, quite the drought, 11 years. Yeah, Damien Wenau, he won 11 years ago. Last man to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they've, they've struggled for years, haven't they? And no matter what riders they brought to the team, it's like, it's been the curse, isn't it? You go to Cofidis, you, you don't win. Um, but they pay a lot of money and, you know, it's um, ruined a lot of riders' careers, isn't it, really? And, I mean... Viviani's a shadow of the man who used to be really going there. And I don't know what it is. They've just never seemed to have got it right. But this young kid really did deserve it today. He played his own cards right and he came out with a win. And um, 25 years of age, speaks good English, got a bright future ahead of him. Proud parents. Yeah. I mean, Adam, we don't know that much about him, but I mean, that, that's, we know as we know, one, one we know he's French. We know he won a stage <laughs> of the Apart Italian. from what Brad has just told we us, know we don't know that English. much about him. Uh, that's going to change his career, isn't it, forever? I think so, yeah. But. In, it's hard to say forever. I think it'll change his career, but he's, it's only really until next year. If you look at Jai Hindley, now we're talking about him last year almost winning the Giro, and now he's he's almost nowhere to be seen, mm. you know. I think wins are good, and you remember them for that the duration the race is on, and then it's almost kind of forgotten about. And unless you back it up, it will be quickly forgotten about. But he's a young kid, and I think the generation of riders now especially, they're, they're consistently good. I think that's the main thing with them now. You never really see young riders drop off and then suddenly come back on the scene like you did in the olden days. You wouldn't see someone for six mm. months and then boof, they'd win and then they'd be rubbish and then boof, they'd win again. So it's um, 
I think we'll definitely see him again. I, I hope for him, he, this won't be the highlight of his career. Hopefully, there'll be many more. Mm. We saw Fernando Gaviria having a bit of fun. Oh, what a boy. As well today. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, Enjoy I tipped today, him the other week to win. Everyone laughed at me. You know, because he's been, he's been void for years, hasn't he? You know, he's had dogged with injury and, you know, that... And coronavirus twice. Yeah. And, it, you know, when he won that first stage in the Tour de France a few years ago, he was like, he was hot property, wasn't he? He was mm. winning for fun and... You know, he's a real rock star of the sport and he's sort of, he's not like your stereotypical Colombian or most of them come as climbers and sort of kind of shy and quite nice and unassuming. You know, Gaviria's just like... Um, Rude and loud. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> but he's a swagger with him, but he's actually a really nice bloke as well. And Johnson, at one point, I would say he was he was scarily quick, wasn't he, sprinting? Yeah, I think the time when he did the track 2016, yeah. he was like fully, fully rapid down. I think that's the best we've seen him. Yeah. But I think the form that he's in now, although he's, his results aren't showing it on paper, I think it's coming slowly. Definitely. You can see towards the end of the race, he's going to have a few more opportunities. And I think just getting in that break today, you know, and attacking, he just went into mm. that corner a bit too hot and hit the deck, but he's obviously yeah, but that's got his arrogance, legs. isn't it? It's like the confidence. He's almost a bit of swagger about him. And well, he did well to get back on. Yeah, but he's in form. He's going well, like Adam says. Um, and I think, like you say, at the tour, come to the tour, he'll be a force to be reckoned with. Did he have any assistance to get back on? Nope. No. He did brilliantly then. Um, yeah. <laughs> Brad, you think he could have yeah, done something I mean, on stage the, two before I, his own I man think I tipped him that day. Yeah, and obviously he went up against the barriers. I mean, it shows what a bike handler is to keep that up that day, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, had he got a good straight run, he'd have been, certainly would have been second, but he'd come close to winning it. I yeah. mean, you know, he put him in a straight line. He's, 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 I reckon he's the quickest man in the race. Even yesterday, when you look at yesterday, as you watch that slow motion replay, he went and then got put on the barriers. Yeah. So he scrubbed off five or six K an hour went before again, he yeah. actually went and went again. So yeah. if he'd have got that clear run, you know, and had a bit of luck on his side, he might have he might have got that gap he needed to on Caleb and Wright not being able to get in his slipstream and be able to get past him. So he's definitely informed, but he just hasn't got luck on his side at a minute. Mm. What about Viviani? Can we see him getting a win? In this I'd love tour? to. I like him. He's a great guy. I get on really well with him. You know, a couple of years ago, we were sat here watching him in the Giro and he was, you know, he was the fastest sprint of the race, Chiclamino jersey, and he just, um, since he's left uh, Quick Step, it seems like his career's just taken a nosedive. He has had injuries as well. I think he had a foot injury last year at the Tour and stuff. Yeah, he had a foot injury and at the start of the season, he had, a, he had to take six weeks off with a heart problem, I think, as yeah. well. But I think with him, he, he's consistent. He's always consistent with Viviani and sadly, he's consistently fourth and fifth mm. at the minute, so it's very hard for him. To get up there, I don't think he's as fast as he used to be. No. Um, I think he just needs a tricky finish. I think he needs a tricky finish where he can use his, mm. his sprinting now to, yeah. to wiggle his way in there. But I do hope, like Brad said, he's a, he's a fantastic guy and I think yeah. he's a, a real, true professional. I think a lot of these guys that come away from concentrating on the track, you know, they, they seem to... Because I a think Cav's bit, fastest yeah. year was in 2016 when he was oh, trained yeah, for the for sure, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Viv was the same. Um, Gaviria, yeah, and it's, it seems as a yeah, track gives you something. It's really. changing though, isn't it? Track a little bit, you know, from doing the, the guys are training for the Omnium, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's the guys training for that, but it's coming, becoming so much more weight based. It's becoming yeah. so much more yeah. short intensity now yeah. that I think the guys that are doing the track, because you think Viviani's training for the Olympics yeah. again, so he's back on the track. He should right. be going well. So I don't know, different bikes, yeah, make a big difference as well. So why don't they do it more? Why do we not see more sprinters? Well, I just think time constraints. Taking time out. It's and just having... you can't, the, tra the season's so long. And I think another thing is, well, the, the sprinters tend now to just get lumped up on the mountain. Altitude's become just as good yeah, for the yeah. sprinters now as it is for the endurance world. Years ago, it was just four or five of us doing altitude. Now they seem to be, I was looking at someone's Instagram earlier, um, Eve's Lampart and that, and they were, they're all at Sierra Nevada training in altitude. And, you know, I think um, 
they got sprinters up there, and it doesn't matter what type of ride you are. They seem because the altitude is sort of deemed by the sports scientists now and the coaches that well, it will aid the sprinters as well for fitness point of view. But I think it's what you said earlier about Caleb is he's he's stayed being a sprinter and he's training mm. as to be a sprinter. Um, it was what ruined Edvald Bersenhagen from a sprinting point of view was that he be, tried to be he came training with the GC guys all the yeah. time and weight loss and all that and it just took his took his top end off. Is, am I right in saying Cow's been back on the track in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, I've seen him in Athens in, on the pictures yeah. on his Instagram, yeah. I believe so. What's he looking to get out of that? Who knows? Let's get him on the line now. Cav, are you there? All right, guys, how are you going? <laughs> um, someone who won't be <laughs> Someone who won't be competing, he said this week, the Tokyo Olympics, Julien Alaphilippe. Really? He said, he said he's going to be focusing on the Tour de France. Yeah. Decisions must be made. You can't do it all unless you're you, Brad, obviously. Um, well, well, yeah. <laughs> um, Alaphilippe <laughs> <laughs> said he's, he's not going to be taking part in Tokyo, the tour, and then the worlds are his yeah. focus. Yeah, well, that, yeah, good on him. I mean, <laughs> he's, uh, that's what he wants to do. Um, really plus, I don't though, know what the route's like out of the Olympic Games. You know, it's, it's a long way to go out to Japan after the tour to try and win the Olympic road race. And, you know, Julianne is. Um, he knows what he wants and that's why he's successful. He'd probably want to win another world title, wouldn't he? And I think, yeah, yeah, so a quick step as well to win the world again there, yeah, eh? In Belgium. It's a big timer. He's got a he's got a kid on the way as well. Has he? Where's he coming from? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's not on the bus or something. He's, he's, yeah, he's got a kid. So his missus is pregnant, is what you're saying, Graham. Marin, 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 Marin. Yeah. Uh, We've clarified that one. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said he's got a kid on the way from somewhere, like she was travelling long distance or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a it's a well known turn of phrase. Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists. This is bicycle insurance made for everyone, from Grand Tour winners to cyclists hitting the pedals for the first time. Lacquer has transformed traditional insurance with no more fixed upfront premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month, meaning you could pay nothing if nobody claims. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Claims are handled by Lacquer's team of cycling experts and usually agreed within a day with no depreciation or excess. The Bradley Wiggins Show listeners can get their first 30 days free. Head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code WIGGINS. Brad, in other news, big Tom Dumoulin is coming back. He is coming back. He's, he's oh. He said he's coming back for the Tour de Suisse. Brilliant. taken Brilliant. a break out to assess you know whether what? or not he wants to continue with his racing career. Yeah. But that's um, good, isn't it? I mean, we did say that when we when the news was announced. He probably just needs a bit of time away to think about things. And I'm really glad for him, actually. He's a lovely guy and, and a great bike rider. I was talking to all about him the other day, and Dutch cycling really needs him. You know, he's a great ambassador for the sport. He's sort of the poster pin-up boy of the sport there. And after everything that Dutch cycling's been through with Rabobank and all that, it's um, I just think he's such a class act, and he's had such a couple of years, such you know, a difficult couple of years, and... Um, yeah, the sport needs him, so I'm really happy about that. Adam, he says he's found the joy in cycling again, but it's not—it's not something that you, for example, would have thought about. A, a by comparison, your similar age, you—you you chose to quit no, cycling for good. I was just—I just had enough of it. I was just—I couldn't do it. We had the twin girls and everything. I just didn't have the time to do it as as much as I wanted to. But Tom, I think you know he's—he's he's taken time out, and what would that be? Six months? Six months he's had off? Is it six well, months? I think, well, I think it'll be even less because he's obviously I think got it's only four. He's only four months. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. It wasn't that long ago. We were talking about it on the uh, podcast. Four months. To, it's like, it sounds Four months. controversial, but it doesn't yeah. seem like a long time to have enough time off to realise you miss mm. 
I think there's bike riding and bike racing. Bike riding, you can do whatever you want, and that's the joyful bit of it. Bike racing is good when you're really good, and if you're not, it's horrific. Mm. So yeah, but glad he's glad he's found the joy again. I'd be interested to see how he goes. I think in my mind, always, I think he's been a bit jealous of Primus being like a big big dog. statement, eh? It is a big statement, yeah. But you I it, yeah, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? It was always questioned when he went to that team, the yeah. amount of leaders they had, and whether they get that balance. But I'll never forget his face when Primoz lost the jersey last year, didn't he? In the tour, yeah, They're standing there, you with know, Bob they were Van both standing there. And he just look, yeah, it was. Um, I just think where he came from, he was like the big leader, like the king of Holland, and then he came into a Dutch team, Dutch sponsors, the next big thing, can win the Tour de France, and Primoz came along, and he was like, no, nope, Primus is a leader, and I think. I think it might have been quite hard for him to take that mm. um, and also going to a race and even though training, doing his best, but ultimately still not being as good. Yeah. I think it is quite hard for a rider to take and I don't think it is, it's, I don't think ever anyone would publicly say it. as well, yeah. didn't he? You know, and I think that was always going to be difficult. Um, but yeah, it's just good he's come back, but you know, time away from the sport like that. He had the time away from the site, the injury from the Dauphiné crash yeah. a few years ago and then four months to decide what he's doing. You can't, you know, there's only... It's hard to go away from the sport and come back, isn't it? You, you, the sport really leaves hard, you yeah. very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Are we looking at Jumbo Visma and George Bennett being their, we presume, their GC man going into this Giro and having already fallen so far behind? Is Tom looking at that now and thinking, all right, having already won one Giro, do you think he's looking at that and thinking, all right, maybe Primoz Roglic is the main man for the Tour de France, but maybe, yeah. have I got another Giro d'Italia in me and can I come back and be the, the leader yeah. there? It's really hard to say, isn't it? I I think until he finds his feet again, it's he might come into this and completely be not a different rider, but he might just not be able to go as deep, go as hard as he wants to now. I think, you know, finding the joy again is great uh, for him, but it's going to take a lot to get where back to where he used to be. And I think, I don't know if you agree, but the joy of bike riding is when you're good. When you're good and you're on form, it's fantastic. When you're not, it's awful. And if you're always chasing your tail a little bit, it becomes very difficult. And if he gets put in that, um, situation again where I think he stopped because he felt too much pressure on him and things like that. If all of a sudden he thinks, right, I'm going to do the Giro, I'm going to win, and it's his first big objective and he can't take the pressure again, it's going to be very difficult for him. So I, I'd say he just needs to find his legs a bit, go into this race, do do what he can, do what he's comfortable with and just see how it goes. I think if the team starts saying, right, we're going to put you in this, we think you're going to, you know, it's a good chance for you to try and win this race. I think that's when he might start to not enjoy it as much as he did again. Mm. That's my personal opinion. It's Yeah. I think we yeah, all I mean, started. I just, uh, who knows? They've obviously had to give him a talking to and they might be want him to come back for different reasons, you know, just as a, a stalwart an ambassador, maybe as a work working, you know, kind of need him for the tour as a, you know, as a domestic and he doesn't want the pressure anymore. Who knows? We'll find out, I'm sure, in, mm. in time. But um, it's just good. I think it's good he's back anyway. Definitely, I agree. Mm. Okay. I want to go out where we came in in the 2010 Giro, Giro d'Italia. Thank you. In particular, stage seven, what has become this infamous stage to Montalcino, mm. um, taking in sections of the Strada Bianchi, what effectively became this sodden one-day classic almost in the middle of a grand tour. Mm. Uh, and, and thanks to the, the pounding rain and the gravel sections in the final 30 kilometres or so, it, it turned into, as I say, a bit of an epic what are your memories, first of all, from that from that stage? I remember 
crosswinds on top of this climb and then we went down and it started raining before the gravel and there was a crash yep. Basso went down Nibs one of them went down Nibli went down first on the corner yeah. and then Basso and came then, in just behind and Basso went down with the rest of his liquid gas teammates because they had all stopped for Nibli Nibli right. was in pink yep. and then Basso Basso was team leader um, yep. so I remember he, that. you were then in that first group then, weren't you then we hit the first thing and the hit the fan and we were like in the front me and Dario Cioni I remember just being there and I just remember it it was being cold wet and left, rights slipping and sliding all over this mm. and um, not being able to get in under your rain cape to get any gels and things out because we had these neoprene gloves. And it was freezing that day as well. Like I remember it just being cold. up, down, steep climb, left, right, bang, off, covered in muck, you know, punctures, people left and right, crashes. And then suddenly realised I need them for about 20, 30k. And I remember just going absolutely uh, punctured and I was so exhausted and I started going frangel, like hunger knock. Changed the wheel, and I think in the last 2k, I lost about four minutes. I was just, I could not, I was like that hunger knock, you know, like yeah. typical winter coming over brickworks home. <laughs> <laughs> it's just proper grim, yeah. I remember that crash because that group split after the crash in the rain. Yeah. And I was, I'm not the best climber, never was, but I was in that front group and I was like, Cadell oh, weren't there, your team then, was you know, he was. He won that day. Cadell, he did, yeah, for BMC yeah. in the World Champions jersey. Yeah. And it, it was a duel in the end between Vino and Cadell Evans. Mm. And they were sort of testing each other in that final That's 30k. Right. Gazzelli was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it was only that final ramp up to the finish in Montalcino that, that Evans actually put any distance at all between himself and Vino. Yeah. But you could barely tell one rider from the other. Because no, it was because it was the proper, mud had flicked. I mean, the pictures from that day are like proper everybody. epic now. Yeah. Gone down in history, haven't yeah. they? You can look it up on YouTube, but you can also find Recycle by Eurosport, the podcast that retells the tales of some of the greatest riders and races in cycling history. Look out for this one this week when Cadell Evans rode through the mud to Pip Vino at Montalcino, written by Felix Lowe, narrated by me, Graham Wilgos. Look out for it. Chaps, thank you both for your thank company. You. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, brought to you by Zwift, where fun is fast. Adam, thanks again for joining us. Welcome thank you. Back. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Um, we can follow you on social media if you want to. Where? On Instagram and Twitter. At AdamBlad89. Brad, as ever, you are at... GreenThumb72. <laughs> Sir Wiggy. Pegsgut74. <laughs> you can follow Eurosport on Twitter at Eurosport underscore UK. Plus, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, as ever, to our producer, Pete Burton. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, share your thoughts and rate us. Before we go, lads, stage nine to look forward to tomorrow. Down to business in the battle for the GC. It is big day. First big test, I think. 3,000 metres yeah. of climbing, as we mentioned. tired legs. Who's your tip? Who do we expect to see? Who do we expect to win it, first of all? And then second, uh, who do we expect to see in pink? Do we? I think Burnell going to win. I think Burnell in pink. I think Hugh Carthy's going to be up there. I think Yates is going to win, Simon. Yeah, they'll all be there, ever-present, little five-man group, something like that. Do we back Bernal to take win and jersey I tomorrow? do. Yeah. I do. I back Yatesy to take the win. Take pink. Yatesy take the win, Bernal take the jersey. Right. We'll find out tomorrow. We're back with Orla tomorrow, Brad. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Yeah, see you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 